welcome to the Movie Scramble podcast, where I am joined in this episode by both of my esteemed colleagues once again. John, Simmy, how are you both? I'm good. Yeah, same. Hot and sweaty. Uh, it's unusual for Scotland for over the last week or so. It's been fairly unrelenting and I think half the population is slowly broiling. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, pasty, pasty face with uh, really red arms is not a great look in anybody, but you know. We tend to roll it off. Yeah. <laughs> we are we are definitely not built for anything above twelve degrees and slightly breezy. <laughs> it has been pretty unforgiving. I think it's been twenty eight, twenty nine most days. And yeah, when you have basically just turned into a drumstick squashy. So I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for the rain to come back and for everything to go to normal. So we are doing something different in this episode for your listening pleasure. Instead of discussing a film, we are going to be discussing the industry in general, specifically cancel culture. So from Army Hammer to Zachary Levi, it seems like every corner of Hollywood has its own dark story to tell. And in the past year alone, we've seen the likes of Johnny Depp, Alec Baldwin, Ezra Miller, Will Smith and Gina Canano all be labelled as cancelled. So who gets to decide who gets to decide who is cancelled and is there ever a path to redemption? So I thought I would start by asking you both what you think sort of about cancel culture in general. It's always been around in one form or another, especially in Hollywood. Cancel culture has just been an aspect of pretty much every actor and executive's greatest fear, I think. If you look back to the early days of cinema, there were actors, stars who were cancelled, the likes of Fatty Arbuckle, who got cancelled, for instance, for something he was actually found not to have done. It was something that he was around, unfortunately, because our actors are basically around all these scenes that maybe they shouldn't be because they've got too much time in their hands and they've got too much money in their hands as well. But it's always been there. It just seems to be now that we are in an age where there is far more content going around with streaming services, network television, cinemas where you're getting a a big new release every week, every two weeks. So if there's more content, there's more actors, there's more actors, there's more people. Uh, And if you just have it on a percentage-wise, then there's more sleazy characters as well. So we're getting more and more of it because of that and because of the fact that everything is available all the time. Somebody could say something uh, one minute and six months later it can turn out to be a scandal and it's something that hits them the blind side. We've found out with people with... Tweets 10 years old, James Gunn, tweets were 10 years old. Yes, they were particularly sick, but it seemed to be jumped on from absolutely nowhere. This guy had a career and a very successful career when he went to DC for, what, five, six years before anything like that actually hit. So, yeah, I I just think it's a numbers game more than anything else. Yeah, and as you say, John, it's always been there, and you'll get some people that try and say that cancel culture doesn't exist. There always has. They used to just call it blacklisting back then. Yeah. Now they call it cancelled. And that's a label that's used sometimes wrongly and incorrectly. Uh, people will say, oh, he's cancelled. But he's not cancelled in a sense. It's like he's, somebody said something that they shouldn't have and they've went, yes, I'm cancelled now. But they don't even really know what it means. It's a strange one, but he's talking about the redemption thing. And James Gunn's a good example of that because he did. 
get the redemption in the sense that it gets cancelled at Marvel, so to speak. And what we did, we call it cancel, call it, it was sacked, you know. So it did get cancelled in the sense that we'll never work in Hollywood again. It did get sacked from his job. Yeah. With DC, we will take you. And then you had the cast, the Guardians side of him, and Disney relented and took him back. Let him finish a story. Now he's in charge of DC. Things worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, I think that's definitely the exception rather than the rule because yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, one of the things that I thought about was do you actually just think that celebrities having social media has left them more exposed because, you know, we're all different people than we were 10 years ago and maybe you did tweet something that is unacceptable by today's standards or maybe you've liked something recently that is inappropriate you know, I'm thinking about, you know, Zachary Levi obviously seemed to, for some bizarre reason, like during the press run for Shazam 2, started to go super right wing, very anti-vax, like anti-pharma on his, his Twitter and things like that. Do you think that just by the mere fact that we're now more exposed to celebrities in the way that we feel like we almost have this direct contact with them through their social media channels, do you think that leaves them in a more vulnerable, I say vulnerable position, because ultimately if you're an arsehole, you're an arsehole and if you're tweeting mm -hmm. nasty stuff, that's it but do you think that there's more chance for you to slip up just because we have these platforms now? Definitely, I mean the, the, the things celebrities are tweeting are probably the conversations they once had in private and now they're just telling I think, the I think that's fair for a lot of us though Yeah, <laughs> I think things that, that you used to say you would just now tweet out I but that's the thing, it's like it's um right wing or Republican or questionable views with celebrities isn't a new thing. It's just as you say, they can now tweet it and tell the world it rather than have a conversation with our pals at a party and nobody ever hears it, so nobody ever really tells. You've got to wonder about these stars though, because they don't work in isolation. Like I like I, I hinted at earlier, everything's got to do with money, so therefore a star has to maintain a certain profile, so therefore he has staff. And a lot of the time, staff handle... The, the, the people that you don't hear anything about, they don't make any controversial statements on any of the social media channels, you can almost guarantee that they do not handle their own social media. It's mm -hmm. handled by somebody within their team, and they vet everything that this star is saying before it actually goes live it's just the ones who for whatever reason have said no no it's my voice i'm going to it's going to be my words and that's really when it starts to go off the rails for them so you, you've got to wonder why if these some of these people who the, the likes of zachary levi was a, a very very strange one because you would have thought that the powers that be at dc would have been all over him just during the, the uh, after it finishes after uh, Shazam flops spectacularly, then <laughs> they, he can go and do whatever he wants. But while he's working for them, you'd have thought that something written down, some contract saying, "Don't be an arse, don't write anything that's going to make you look daft and therefore reflect badly on the product that, that we're trying to recoup our money on." You know, it just it yeah. doesn't make sense sometimes. And that to me was like, it was almost like, I don't know if he was going out of his way to, because they knew Shazam 2 was going to flop. And he was like, oh, well, I can be myself now anyway, because we know this is going to be shit. But even things like, you know, celebrities who were clearly breaking like COVID lockdown rules and then posting it on their social media. I'm not saying that merited them getting cancelled or whatever, but it does make you think, 
oh, you're way more exposed than, not that the studio system was right, obviously, but it created an image of stars and it was like, well, this is them as a, you know, a homemaker or this is them as, as an actor, or this is them, you know, helping the poor or the army vets or things like that. Whereas now it's just, it's a total free for all because as you say, John, unless you've got staff who are very carefully curating an image of you akin to the, the studio system and you're posting videos like, oh, I'm jetting off to a big party and everybody else is sitting at home going, well, I can't see my gran. <laughs> How is this here? Like, I do think it leaves them in a more, I don't know, I, I want to say vulnerable position, but vulnerable is not the right word. It, it, they're definitely more exposed, I think, mm -hmm. is the... Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at just the, the DC examples that we've talked about, obviously, Zachary Levi was promoting Shazam, and yeah. currently you have Ezra Miller coming out and doing his first sort of interviews for, what, 18 months, something like that, in support of The Flash. Now, if you look at those two, it's two DC movies, two big-budget films with Shazam. The studios just kind of distance themselves from Zachary Levi, it just went, nothing to do with us, you know, that's well out there. But with Ezra Miller, after all his troubles, they supported him. They tried to change the narrative. They, they made sure that he was out of the public eye for a long time. Mm -hmm. he, obviously, stories were still circulating, but there was no added fuel for the fire because they knew a lot of their future plans for these superhero films depend on The Flash. The Flash has been used as a sort of reset point Right, because I was just about to say, and why do you think that is? Because I always remember, do you remember when Tom Cruise had his jumping on the sofa, I'm so in love, yeah. and then he just disappeared from mm -hmm. PR for a while because it was clearly like someone had had a word and gone, okay, if you want to work again, you, you know, we need to take mm -hmm. you away from the... And I feel like that's definitely what they did with Ezra Miller. And I wondered why he did get a slightly different treatment. Yeah. But obviously, if, that, if he is, the, or his character is the foundation of the next stage then that's obviously, that's an investment for them. Yeah. Isn't it? Making Whereas sure they've, he, always, yeah. they've looked at Shazam too and thought, no, there's something wrong because they track the progress, they track oh. the, the numbers before it actually comes out. And they obviously realised that uh, Shazam wasn't going to be the hit that they thought it was because of all the negative information around it with obviously to do with uh, The Rock and everything and all that as well. Mm. And obviously the icing on the cake was... Zachary Levi becoming a right-wing nut. So they, they obviously learned lessons from that as well and says, well, we're, we're not doing that. But yeah, it's it really is all about money. It's about, they knew they were going to have to make money on the Flash film, so therefore yeah. they do that. But it, 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 it's, again, it comes down to money. If you look at other examples, if you look at music, for instance, the difference between Gary Glitter and Michael Jackson. Now, they both fuck kids, but... Michael Jackson's estate is much larger and there's more monetary value in there. So that's why he's, even years after he's died, they're still trying to rehabilitate him, still trying to make a, the king yeah. of pop and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's yeah. pretty much the same, different industry, same idea. No, but, but I think that's right because I think, I mean, it goes across sports mm -hmm. as well. You know, I, I didn't obviously realise until so, I mean, I had a conversation that, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was accused of of, mm -hmm. of rape, but the, the portrayal of him is that he does all this charity work and all this sort of thing. So there is a sort of rehabilitation for some that maybe not for others, even on a on a lesser scale. I mean, Lionel Messi obviously has famously dodged an, an inordinate amount of taxes. And I know that's not the same as, you know, physically assaulting someone, but it is, it's, well, but he's so good at football, so there's almost like a, a free pass. Yeah, that's, that's, but that's a fair point as well. And, you can, and that's why it's kind of hard to 
really quantify or narrow down the cancel culture idea because not everything is the same. You know, it's, you, you have the Weinsteins and you get Zachary mm-hmm. Levi's. You could cancel both of them, but they've done completely different things to be, to get somebody's aisle. And then you get the idea of, well, that was the toy fucking kids, Bone Polanski. He's not cancelled. He got well, standing that's, just... at the Oscars, and it's like, well, his image was never even rehabilitated. It was always a case of, we've well, just kind of let that go. The yeah. only reason he's going back to America is he was arrested. Yeah. Hollywood have wrote letters in support of him and stuff. Signed but this is the well. thing. There's, and the thing is, the girl that he's alleged to have assaulted was, what, 13 mm-hmm. at the, the time? This isn't just like, you know, a mix-up after a nightclub or something like that where you thought someone had said, yeah, you know, this is a very clear case of, you know, grooming well, or sex, whatever. Are we winning? Yeah. And I don't, so this is what I don't get as well, because there are lots of actors who still, in interviews today, would say that they would clamour to work with them. Like, why? We wrote a letter, I can't remember who, who signed it, but I'm pretty sure Martin Scorsese signed it as well. So it was big names. It was Middle Street did, I know that for a fact. It was basically where the letter said, oh, let it go type thing, let him back. It was like a Goldberg famous, said it wasn't rape, rape. Jesus yeah, uh, it's the justification of it, isn't it? And, and I, I, I went to Kevin Smith about two years ago, and um, he, I don't know why that come conversation is a question, but I always remember Kevin Smith saying this, and I'll never forget this line. I love the pianist as much as the next guy. It's an amazing film, but it doesn't give you a free pass for fucking kids. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think that him in particular, I mean, I guess that, well, so what you're saying then is like, you know, do you, can you separate art from the artist? And obviously everyone knows that I was the world's biggest Kevin Spacey fan. And obviously all of the allegations have come out against him. And to me now, I not that I've watched it since, but I think if I went back and watched American Beauty, I would feel very differently about I mean, I that film. It. I watched The Flash yesterday and I really enjoyed it. But the whole time watching it, I kept looking at Ezra Miller thinking, yeah, that's a wrong one. I couldn't get that out of my head that he's in this film still. Mm-hmm. I, I, I found it hard to separate that watching that. And I, you're right, there's some try to think of films that, if, even if I went back and watched Kevin Spacey stuff, and I'm not the biggest fan you are, I would find it hard to not be like, hmm. <laughs> you know? I even, I even get that way of watching Wednesday, but, but Minimax films, and see that Minimax thing come at the start. Yeah, well, I was. Uh watching one of the Austin Powers films and there's a wee spoof bit in that where it's famous actors play, you know, they, they actually do the, the Austin Pussy film yeah. and it's Tom Cruise, Gwyneth Paltrow and Kevin Spacey <laughs> the three oh. main actors and you're going okie dokie, yep, that would never happen, not now yeah. <laughs> But then I just think that, so So here's the thing, right? I think it's very obvious to go, okay, well, I am going to boycott, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey films or whatever. And they obviously famously did replace him eh, with Christopher Plummer and All the Money in the World. But then, to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you what films were produced by Harvey Weinstein or not. And so I don't know if, if that Miramax logo or whatever came up at the start, it would kind of make you go, oh. But I don't know, do people act, do you think that people actively boycott films at the box office to try and damage the the star or the director or the producer or whoever it is that may have you know had allegations against them yes because... no john yeah. you're going well what i was going to say is there is a an element of sort of pre-hate 
for films now before they actually mm. come out for whatever reason, and one of them is because a certain person has been cancelled and everything. There are review bombs put up mm. on IMD, one out of ten for films that have never actually been released yet, and they've obviously taken measures to stop that now, but there are other sites that are not, that haven't implemented things like that, so in all these aggregator sites you get reviews of film, you know, it's sort of aggregated reviews and they're really low because there's been so many 1 out of 10 reviews of them, films. So yeah, there is a concerted effort by people to basically, before a film actually hits cinemas, it's been deemed to be terrible because of who's in it. Sorry, Thomas, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, because you had that, you had that, I, I, was trying, I was just trying to think of something else, you had an actual point. Um, I'm trying to think of examples where an actor, even myself, for our films come out, I was an actor and a and I'd be a bit kind of that. Even an example of um, Todd Phillips, when Joker came out, there was people that automatically decided they wanted to like Joker based on stuff Todd Phillips had been saying in the press run. Mm-hmm. I get that these kind of things can take their view on something, but again, it's where does it end between somebody saying something you don't like, somebody being a dick. Somebody being offensive, somebody being racist, somebody being sexually assaulting somebody. It's like this sliding scale sometimes just gets looked upon as an even playing field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I find that weird. And again, it's like some people at Rome Polanski get a pass. Perfect um, example. Know, sorry, perfect example from that very film is the use of a Gary Glitter song uh, yeah. just before he does the walking down the steps. And it was only controversial, really, in a few countries. It wasn't controversial in America because they don't yeah. really know who the guy is. That, that music is used time. Ah, it's used in sports in between in, in, uh, like timeouts and hockey games and all sorts of things like that. So it's just part of their culture and you say, oh yeah, nice wee reference there, you know, but it's com- something completely different here. So it's yeah. aye, exactly the same. So is it only people like, for example, say like in Britain who are aware that Gary Glitter's a pedo? No, they're aware, as you suppose, when they realised it was a guy's little song when they heard it. They're right. Associated, yeah. They're associated it with something else. Like like sports with, or something? With, with Matt, yeah. the, the baseline for um, the chain. Used oh, in, Formula One. Aye. Yeah. 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 That's what people would recognise so, that from, rather than go, oh, that's quite a song. But even that film, I feel like, generated a lot of cancelled talk because people didn't react well to a character. So not even like... Oh, Joaquin Phoenix is a you know he's this that and that or Todd Phillips is this this and this. It was we don't like this character because they think the, that he is the epitome of toxic masculinity. Like I don't know how you go about canceling a, a character, but that was yeah. very much the vibe that was going around at, at that time. No, you're right, and that's actually a very interesting point. When they start canceling characters because people don't like a character, and you're like, come on, you don't have to like. Oh, Succession, for example, you don't have to like characters in a show or a film. Not everything's there for your fluffy entertainment. Yeah, it's challenging you. That's what yeah. character. That's what it's supposed it's, to be. Do you imagine they made American History X now? I don't think no. people would accept the fact that Ed Norton's character had a redemption arc. I don't think people would accept that. I think we have, in some cases, fallen into this situation where you want to see bad characters punished, whereas with Succession 
or to use a Kevin Spacey example with House of Cards, what I loved about those shows was that there was absolutely no one to root for, no yeah. one you could see. Oh, I could I could be that character or they're similar to me. It was just everyone's a bastard. And that's okay. Because I don't think you need, as you say, this, not everything's for fluffy entertainment. But I think if we get to the stage where we are actually cancelling characters, that's a whole... Um, I, I, I can't even explain that. I think that we do have very much these days trial by social media or trial by public opinion. And if you tweet something or say something, a press junket that's perceived as wrong, it might not have been wrong a year ago, but the mood in the how, camp how, has, how can has we changed. Predict, how can we predict what's going to be offensive in years yeah. to come? I think, I think there's certain markers that are always going to be yeah. offensive. But I think that I'm not, I'm obviously not encouraging people to, you know, express extreme views or whatever, but I am slightly worried about, you know, trial by social media. The example that I can think of, and this isn't a, a film example, but Margaret Atwood had retweeted an article about, yeah, a, I think it was a Canadian hospital that was going to change the word mother to birthing parent or something along those lines. She didn't actually tweet anything with it. She just retweeted the article. So as far as I was concerned, you didn't know if she was in support of that or against that, but she was immediately cancelled with no context, no conversation around it, nothing. And I, as far as I'm concerned, she's written one of the, the greatest sort of feminist novels of, of all time and is, is a, a, you know, in, inclusive as, as a writer. But actually, just like that, it was like, well, that's it. She's done. And I, that's what I worry about. Obviously, for obvious nutcases like Lawrence Fox, you're like, okay, you need you need an intervention stop tweeting someone take away your phone but i'm concerned about the fact that things can turn very quickly i guess but with that example is that not really i, I don't want to like sort of make it a blame thing but is it not really her fault for not actually putting any context around something that she's retweeting if, if you're just putting something out blindly people are going to assume the worst unless you actually sure. clarify it with a statement saying you know, this is wrong, this is right. So you're actually making a, you're taking a stance. By not taking a stance, you're almost letting people think there is a default stance and it's usually the worst one. Mm. It, especially yeah. in the trans thing. And I remember Gina Carreno, how you pronounce her name? Gina Carreno? Yeah. And again, it's, you can't have everybody think in the same way. She was just being a dick though. That's the thing. Mm. She, she, she didn't need to tweet my pronouns are be book or something. She was just being an asshole. She was just trying to wind people up. And she was working on one of the biggest shows at Disney at the time. And they did say to her, and Pedro Pasco even said to her, that she just decided, no, me being an asshole is more important than mm -hmm. my job. Well, Pedro Pascal's sister, not transgender. So yeah. I don't know how Gina Canano can tweet this stuff. And like, and may, perhaps even he stepped in and was like, he did, oh, I think he did. Yeah. He explained to her the importance of pronouns and stuff and travel conversation. Mm -hmm. and she went, Yeah, yeah, I got that. I'm talking about that. So that's the thing. So, in her case, she felt it was her freedom of speech was very important to tweet stuff than be employed. And then she gets sacked and it's like, Oh my god, I'm cancelled. It's like, You're being a dick. You can have these views if you want, but you're, you're being a dick about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she threw I away think... a career, really, yes. because there was going to be a whole program around her character from Star Wars as well, that's what it was planned to be. It's but... not like she was drunk and said something, or accidentally said something, or she's been, people were looking through old tweets, she just kept saying stuff, even though mm. she was told 
this is a good idea. Yeah. yeah, and in that case, no, absolutely. Social yeah. media's done the it's, it's stepping and done the right thing, as it were, by flagging this and going, you know, this is a person going out of their way. I guess for me, it is, the trial by social media thing comes in with likes of the the James Gunn tweet. So you said mm-hmm. something ten years ago. Obviously, it's horrific, but does that merit cancellation? No, exactly. That's the thing. Especially it's, since he actually apologised for them beforehand, like before all this blew yeah. up. It was obviously. Marvel had done their due diligence and sort of pointed this stuff out, saying that's not good. It's not a good look. So therefore, at the time, he said, look, there was previous tweets. It was what I was doing at the time. It, w- it wasn't reflective on whatever. And looking back on it, yeah, it's really bad. And he like sort of unreservedly apologised, but that wasn't good enough because it actually surfaced later on and they chose to ignore the fact they had actually sort of pre-apologised. He'd done a pre-apology for it. So that was going to blow up anyway. That was taken as sort of a, a cause. It was like a right-wing cause. It was almost to get back because this was, uh-huh. if you think about it, it was round about the time of Gina Carano and there was some other people, like right-wing figures, who were getting cancelled because of their views. So it was almost like <clears throat> they were they were looking. Yeah, it was revenge, yeah. That's what it was. They did, they did the same uh, Anthony Jeselnik as well. Went through his old tweets and he just went, so... He's a very, he's a very cool. offensive controversial comedian, but it was really funny because he go through to other people but I used to read stuff his tweets saying, oh, that's Trump here. Look what he's saying, he's really bad views. And he's replying to him, but fuck off. <laughs> he's just like... What I don't understand, me. though, is why everyone thinks that Hollywood is this, like, paragon Love of virtue, right. which from day dot, it never has been. There's all, like, Hollywood, like any other, let's call it a workplace, is going to have a spectrum of political opinions or personal opinions or religious beliefs or whatever. And whether you agree with them or not, that is basically what a workplace is. You're going to meet people that maybe, you know, so I don't under, it is sort of held almost to a different standard, I think, where we expect our actors and creators to be way more liberal than I think mm-hmm. the vast majority of them are. Because I bet a lot of them, even from a financial or perspective or whatever, you know, may vote Republican just because it suits their finances as opposed to anything else. And then look but at I think... Alan Schwarzenegger, for example, very famous Republican through his whole career. He's kind of met more kind of centre in recent years, but famously 80s and 90s, very proud Republican. I know they... Look at the type of audience he's likely to attract, though. Being a Republican isn't going to do him any damage. I think that's maybe the difference. Whereas if you somebody on the Mandalorian, which is all like nice and inclusive and different people from different, you know, planets and all that coming together to work for the greater good, you don't expect someone who works on that show to be a dickhead. But it's not so because you, you can imagine like Pedro Pascal did interview you know, I could only get politics and that, but you know, I thought when they vote Biden again, people be like, ah and go mental and it's a little is, are people not allowed to have different opinions now? As bad as you know, it's like so. It's, it's just like we're trying to pigeonhole people. Just say this out. Everybody that's been Hollywood's best, like liberal um, paradise, this utopian place where everybody's inclusive. There's no hate, and we're gonna get and get is really sterile, homogenized content. It's not very good. I'm surprised it hasn't gone that way uh, already, because if you think about it. Studios, when they're promoting something, <clears throat> you would have thought they would have sort of laid the law down with any interviewer that happens across these people. It says if you write something or you ask a question that's going to elicit a controversial answer, you will never get an interview with 
anybody again. You you will you will basically be cancelled. It does for some people though. Um, people like Tom Cruise, for example. So after that public, you know, jumping on the couch thing, he has a, a as far as I'm aware, you are allowed to talk about the film that he's promoting, the dangerous subject, but you are not allowed to ask him questions about, you know, so who are you dating? Or, you know, I think there are some stars that do have a very careful set of questions given mm -hmm. to them because their team or PR or whatever are scared that if they are asked about, you know, and what's your opinion on the situation in Ukraine? that suddenly an answer comes out that you can't retract. Well, um, what's the guy's name for life, man? Tom Felton, uh, played Draco Malfoy in Harry yeah. Potter. He was being interviewed and he was asked, just randomly, what he thought of J.K. Rowan's views on trans people. And he kind of went, it was published, just went interviews over. And I thought, that seemed a bit extreme, but at the same time, fair play, because he's there talking about his film. And it's a bit of Shitty question to ask somebody who's not involved, who's not been involved with J.K. Rowan in like 10 years. He's going to talk about his film and they're just trying to get a controversial statement at him. I do wonder though if that's because ball. like since Daniel Radcliffe has come out and been yeah. really vociferous about his, about how he doesn't support her views because obviously he does mm -hmm. a lot of work with like trans community groups and things like that. So I wondered if it was just trying to elicit a statement like that. But ultimately, yeah, you're right. What the fuck has that got to do with, you know, a film that he's not had, he's not been in a, a Harry Potter film for 10 years, whatever. What the fuck has that got to do with the film that he's promoting? Done the same with um, Channel 4 news broadcast. I can't be his name for life now, but you'd know when we see him. Uh, he was interviewing Quentin Tarantino and Rob Downey Jr. They had two interviews. And they were Rob Downey Jr. They kept bringing up rehab and drug problems and that. So Rob Downey Jr. just went, Interviews over and walked off because I mean, I'm looking to talk about this. This has been well established. The Tarantino, Tarantino just went back at him and Joshua because he went, it was the jangles that you think in gun violence and films like promotes real violence in your life and that. And Tarantino was like, nah, but I'm not really here to talk about that. And he kept bringing it back. And he's like, well, Jamie Foxx was talking about it. He went, well, go and interview Jamie Foxx then. It's like, that's, you know, it's like, no, everything has to, why, why? It's, they had to talk about a film. I know, I'm, I've always been controversial. Oh, Rock Down Junior's case, why go back to his past, which is well established? Yeah. Because it's for, it's, for, it's for headlines, though. So if yeah. you're a journalist and you get a sound bite of him saying X, Y, and Z, or you are able to print a headline of, you know, Robert Downey Jr. says such and such, that makes you maybe more valuable as a, a, a journalist without maybe. I don't know, it's tricky because with people like, so for example, like Rob Lowe and Robert Downey Jr. obviously had kind of scandals, if you want to call it that. Yeah, Robert was an interesting one as well. Yeah, roughly at the same time. And they do seem to have been allowed back into the fold. But again, I'm, I'm lumping those two together, and that's maybe not fair, because obviously Robert Downey Jr. was addiction issues. Rob Lowe, again, was accused of having sex with an underage girl. Where I'm sort of, I suppose it's circling back to what you were saying about a sliding scale, Simi, is like, why, who makes the rules then? So they're mm -hmm. obviously welcomed back into the fold. But someone like, I don't know, who's been cancelled recently? Someone like Alec Baldwin maybe might not be. So we... Who makes the decisions? Yeah, who does make the decisions? Um, as John was alluding to earlier, it's just a purely financial thing of this person's certain numbers get rid of them. And a lot of it's luck as well. If you think about it, the Downey Jr. one, he went through the whole system. He had his addiction issues. He actually was convicted. I don't know if he did actually any like sort of real jail time, but he went through that whole process. It wasn't, like Thomas said earlier, it's circumstances, it's different elements. So he actually sort of hit rock bottom and he it, it was he he didn't 
completely hide everything. You can't really hide it when you're you're on television and you're in court, you know. So he had been through all that publicly. Now, after all that, it was a case of would anybody hire him? So that was mm-hmm. careful. It was carefully managed his sort of return, and every step of the way was a real trial for him. A, a, a poor use of words, obviously. I didn't mm-hmm. mean I didn't actually mean that. So. Any role that he went for, he brought all this baggage with him. So it was up to the individual film or project, whereas he would actually be taken on because it was the likes of Wonder Boys, the Michael Douglas, Curtis Hansen film that came out. And he was in that in a supporting role. Now, with Iron Man, he wasn't the first choice for the role. The people who made it had to fight in order to get him into that role, which is a... A, a tale as old as Hollywood again, you know, bringing in people who the filmmakers want, but the studio don't want because they're slightly controversial, or they, they again, they don't think they'll they'll be they're not worth the hassle. Marlon Brando, for instance, having to mm. audition for The Godfather because the studio didn't want him, too controversial because of his views in the late sixties and everything. The, the fact that he sort of ra- railed against the Hollywood machine and everything mm-hmm. to do with that. So Downey Jr.'s an interesting one. He had a chance to do it. A lot of them won't get that chance now because they're just deemed to be toxic and that's it. Career's over. There's plenty of other people. For every Alec Baldwin there's, there is, for, for every actor in his 60s, there are dozens of them, you know, hanging about, looking for work that can quite easily fill in the, the role he's doing now. He's a good actor, but there are plenty of good actors out there. Do you know where I think, and I was thinking about this other day, do you know where I think the real turning point of this came? And I, <laughs> I hate to bring him up, Mel Gibson. Mm. Because I think he was right on the cusp of the whole social media thing and it just not quite going away. And I, I think that he is, because if you think on the grand scheme of things, obviously he was racist, you know, anti-Semitic. He had beaten up his wife. And he was obviously an alcoholic. But I do wonder if that had happened 20 years previously, would have would he have been managed back in? Whereas I think because it happened at the time that it did, and it just sort of seems to follow him around. Like he's done a he's done a couple of was it that what was the one he did with the girl from The Boys? Bloodfather, that film, mm-hmm. he's done the Daddy's Home film. Now there's rumors, it's not confirmed because we haven't seen him in a trailer, that he's going to be in the Hotel Continental series. And he's done sort of small bits here and there, but he's never been managed back in quite on a scale the way like Robert Downey Jr. has, or even or even Rob Lowe. Um, and I feel like it's the timing of of that potentially. Yeah. I'm not saying just to be clear, because I know there's plenty. You know, you're you're right. It was one of the first examples of the information being out there on social media. He obviously made the mistake of being recorded when he was making a lot of anti-Semitic remarks and everything. So there's no way to sort of muddle that. It's it's out there. So therefore it's very it was very difficult for him to come back. And like you say, he hasn't really is he's still around, but you don't see him uh, as top billing on a big film or uh, the special guest star or anything you know that's sort of a, a pivotal but small role in a film sort of a father figure role you don't i mean would you want him as your dad <laughs> yeah so. that whole thing is very like i mean from a hollywood point of view with a fan point of view it's oh it's crazy male 
know it's about mental mm-hmm. things where it's like uh, like image you know of just like you know, that wild but it's like well what you said though <laughs> it's like it was yeah. been about, yeah. but about like a wild man you know um having a few drinks and carrying on and smashing the place up at a party type but you know being racist <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, and this is what I mean about if it happened 20 years earlier, because I am 100% convinced that he is not the only person that has said those things or done those particular things. I mean, if you look back at books that talk about, you know, classic Hollywood and the studio system and all the sort of abortions, abuse and drug use and Mm -hmm. alcoholism and, you know, obviously gay relationships were seen as unacceptable. So all of this was covered up at the time. And it was just really managed your whole image was managed whereas I feel like he was maybe on the cut him and maybe Hugh Grant with obviously his prostitution but but then Hugh Grant sort of went away and Mm -hmm. has has come back and and for whatever reason because it's almost like oh well he was this sort of you know bumbling English gent and he sort of got caught up and he said he's sorry and all this sort of thing but whereas Neil Gibson has obviously never appeared apologetic. But because uh, I was thinking about that and I was also thinking about Johnny Depp because obviously he has had his new film premiere at Cannes and I was 100% convinced that after that trial, the two of them, as in him and Amber Heard, were finished, like absolutely finished. But he seems very like ballsy about, well, I'm the aggrieved party here, so why shouldn't I have a career now? And part of me wants to say to him, no, go away, like do the, Mm -hmm. you know, take the time because neither of you came out of this covered in glory and actually it almost feels a bit gross seeing them now, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I get that. Sometimes people just need to go away from the bio, as you're saying. Let people get about you for a bit and then come back and then see if people want to see you. Yeah, it's more difficult now though to go away and come back because sure. the stuff is still there. It's not like before when uh, there weren't websites dedicated to these sort of things. When so you know you can't just before you you would have more trouble picking up things because it was just newspaper based or whatever. But now all you need to do is put in a hashtag Johnny Depp and you can find everything almost immediately, and it's just come back and it's completely fresh. And what's interesting about that trial is that, you know, we talked about trial by social media. It Obviously, people were literally sitting on their lunch break watching what had been said in statements that day through Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what was also interesting was that celebrities who came out and said they supported one or the other yeah. were also a threat of being cancelled because of whose side they but which is just madness to me. It turns yeah. the whole thing into a circus. Mm-hmm. It does. It's, it's that way. It's the kind of sliding scale thing. And people really like a lot to get cancelled now just because they've got different views from someone. That seems to be the kind of the measuring stick for a lot of people. And you take a trans thing, for example, Mark Margaret Atwood retweeting that article. Again, as you're mm-hmm. saying, join the retweet automatically if you will think the worst and jump to that thing. But engaging conversation first, maybe. People go from zero to 60. Yeah, but like you just said there, conversation doesn't work because if you say something you're you're not going to have a civil conversation with somebody on a, a topic they're just going to, they, they have an opinion and you're not going to change that opinion that's yeah, not, that. now. not on the internet anyway because i don't no. think the internet <laughs> leaves any place for nuance whereas if we were sitting in the pub and we were having a conversation and maybe we had a disagreement over something at least you could see the other person's point of view they could explain their points you could explain yours and who knows maybe you would even change your mind the internet does not leave any space for that no whatsoever. it's weird though especially with twitter has that entitlement from people 
I'm going to tweet this famous person and I expect a response. Yeah. Why? And plus, we we'll speak to each other on the way. They would never speak to each other in the pub in real life. I know, I know. Some, yeah. some described it, it's like, it's like road rage. You know, people are in their car, they're protected, so they'll act a way they wouldn't if you bumped into something in the street. And Twitter users are the same because they know they're safe from any retaliation. Yep, totally. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think one of the things that, so I put out a tweet to see if we were going to discuss this, and I asked people for examples. Obviously, Kevin Spacey came up. That's never going away, is it? But one of the interesting examples that came up was uh, Shia LaBeouf. So he went on, I don't know if you guys listened to John Bernthal's Real Ones podcast that he produced during lockdown, but he had quite a few sort of controversial figures on there, people who'd maybe done particularly bad things and now they were sort of coming on to explain this is who I was and this is who I am now. So Shia LaBeouf went on that podcast and said, look, hold my hands up. I was an awful person. I'm really sorry. Is that enough? I think in his case, he's kind of getting there in terms of rehabilitation because one of his most recent films was a wasn't it peanut butter falcon it was one where it was basically his story as a child actor honey boy and yeah honey boy that was almost like a step within a rehabilitation process saying yeah i'm a complete dick but this is some of the reasons why but he also like say he's he's held his hands up and says yes i'm you know i'm still uh, working through it and it's still working against him because obviously there was a whole thing about Don't Worry Darling where he was cast in that and mm-hmm. then Olivia Wilde basically sacked him because of perceived issues that he still had as he would be like a real disruptive presence and all that and there's been a whole back and forward about that and Olivia Wilde's another reasonably controversial character at the moment as well so yeah he's not quite there but he's he's getting there he is coming back. And again, he's been doing smaller things. He's mm-hmm. not been trying to relaunch himself as a, a leading man quite yet, but it will come. It definitely will. Do you think so? I think so, yeah. I think he will come back, yes. And the first step towards it is, it, like you said, he, he owned up to it and says, yeah, you know, I was a dick and I am a dick. Without really sugarcoating it in any way, you know, if you if that's kind of the first step to if people say, yeah, you know, you know, I was horrible, but I've got the capacity to change, and this is what I'm going to do. And then if they follow through with that, that's fine. But if they don't, that's where it just keeps keeps rumbling on and on and on with the likes of Bob. Kevin Spacey is a slightly different one because there's active court cases against him. One seems to go away, and then another one pops up, mm. and then another one pops up. Yeah, but he's also another one that's not come out and been apologetic and said he's been... Remember he put out that weird Frank Underwood, where he was, a video where he was Frank Underwood? Like, yeah, what the fuck on. was that all about? Yeah. He used the uh, the now famous Philip Schofield defence and uh, saying, oh, I'm actually gay. So, <laughs> so <we're gonna> <laughs> <laughs> Although, again, so the Philip... I mean, obviously it's not a film, but the Philip Schofield thing I've I kind of followed with interest because Twitter is very much divided between, you know you are persecuting a gay man and no he's a horrible toxic person so there's again you fall into two like most things on twitter right you fall into one of two camps but yeah the i I think the shia labeouf is it i'm surprised you think he will come back i don't think he'll ever be back on the scale that he perhaps was but Mm. i think that he has been very public about his 
acknowledgement of his of his bad behaviour, which I think is maybe where he differs from Ezra Miller. Is that right? Has he ever come out and said anything publicly? He has, but it's been through his interest yeah. is very much right. filtered through the whole media engine. So they're keeping him away from really saying very much. It's, it's sort of a Tom Cruise idea, you know, you can talk about the film, can't really talk about anything else, and they're limiting the exposure. If you think about it for mm-hmm. like this $200 million film, the star hasn't been, you know, on every single talk show, you know, doing like basically touring the world in support of it. You would get with the likes of like Guardians of the Galaxy, for instance, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 had everybody doing talk shows, doing podcasts, doing all sorts of interviews and stuff. They were all over the place. But yeah, with The Flash, it's not been at that sort of level. So I'm really glad that you brought (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy up. I was hoping someone would, because obviously everybody has been on the press tour. Now there are rumours about Chris Pratt's sort of evangelical religious faith and the faith uh, he used to go to Hillsong Church, obviously, which is famously very anti-LGBTQIA+. And he's said comments, so he's actually been dug up over lots of things. So he, for example, thanked his now wife for creating a perfect child when their first daughter was born and obviously his son with Anna Faris has a uh, I think learning disabilities or physical disabilities um, and he said a few things uh, on his Instagram captions where if you read them with a sort of religious lens around them you would go oh you think you know your your wife's place is in the kitchen huh? like I feel like he has not snuck under the radar because everybody seems to be aware of his religious affiliations. Again, why is that a free pass? Because let's be honest, Tom Cruise does get hammered over the Scientology thing. So why should Chris Pratt not get hammered over something just because it happens to be an offshoot of Christianity? We did very briefly, but again, I think it was Casey, it wasn't helping his box office numbers, so people are kill it. I think the Mm. minute it starts affecting the box office, that's when Hollywood takes action. In terms of, from a public point of view, I think he has been hammered in the whole Twitter sphere and that. It didn't do him any favours when he was cast as Mario either. And people <laughs> were like, what the fuck? And then the film was a billion dollars, so it's like, well, you can't stop the Chris Pratt machine. <laughs> I think that perhaps says more about uh, the movie. Who, who goes to see movies and who makes movies is perhaps the answer to the, the Chris Pratt conundrum, if you want to call yeah. it that. Because he has been acknowledged as Marvel's least popular Chris. <laughs> so I don't, I, I just don't understand why he maybe gets a, a free pass or whatever. I, I think with things like that, so it's almost like a kind of, I don't want to say open secret, like, but it does come back to that whole, like the Weinstein thing was seen as like an open secret. The Polanski thing was like an open secret. What, like, why the fuck would you, would I, let, so let's come back to the idea of Hollywood as a workplace. Why would you put up with this open secret of, yeah, if that man wants to put you in a film, you are potentially going to be raped by him, but it's fine because you'll get an Oscar at the end of it. Like, why Why have they put up with these open secrets for so long? Well, careers are made and broken on single decisions. That's what it comes down to. It's, yeah. You, it, money and power. Yeah, money. Well, exactly, yeah. You hit the nail on the head right there. That's what it is. Always has because, been. You think about it, the casting couch. Yeah. Well, that's always been a thing, but it's just because I'm looking at this and I think of, I mean, when I even looking at the list of people who have been cancelled recently, it's majority men. Sorry, guys. There's the occasional woman who says something or does something like your J.K. Rylands or your Judah Cadanos. 
but for me it's like if if you if you knew that there was a, a sexual predator in your your midst but because he turns out great movies I, I personally can't get my head around that and that's something that's someone to me that should have been cancelled if you want to talk about it in those terms a long time ago and that's why I don't understand the sliding scale that you know you've you've obviously talked about because why was it okay to have a, a rapist essentially living and working amongst a lot of vulnerable creative people but it's not okay to i don't know tweet something out or whatever i, I, I don't understand the people the turned a blind character as beneficial to them you know it's horrible to say but it's just as john said there like careers made and broken and people are in that kind of system thinking i don't want to uh, rock the boat here um if i speak up i'm the one that's going to be maybe maybe people go to their kind of point of view that if I speak up, I will be blacklisted. I will be able to mm-hmm. find work and she'll continue doing what she's doing. So, and I do agree with that because look at, um, is it Catherine Hagel spoke up about the poor conditions for women in Hollywood and in particular on the set of Grey's mm-hmm. Anatomy and then her career fucking tanked. Like, I think the last thing I actually saw, and I'm embarrassed to admit that I've seen this, was The Ugly Truth with Gerard Butler. It's a terrible film to, you know, if you if you're an, an incel, it probably really plays into how you think men and women should be. But her career absolutely fell off a cliff because she dared to say, "Wait a minute, here I don't think this is you know I don't like the way this is this is working," sort of thing. Does she know also have a go at the writers? A good anatomy during a speech at the Emmys. Oh, did she? I didn't know that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she also has go at the writers. Uh, people are like, "Well, you know, that won't be you anymore." So there's a, there, there was there was some other stuff there as well with that one, but again, yeah, she she doesn't see her anything these days. No, but again, that kind of sliding scale thing, Will Smith, he's not making much of a comeback anytime soon. Too, too soon. Do you think so? Yeah, he's toxic. Just you know, apparently, the rumor is they reached out to Tom Cruise to help. He revitalised his career, and Tom Cruise went, "No, fuck." I know. That, okay, but that's right interesting. That, that Do you think that Tom that. Cruise? Sorry, on you go. So that's over a year ago now, but it's within a year. Will Smith just kind of wanted that ball keep on rolling, rather than the whole screw away for the pit and come back. Yeah, if he I goes away if for Tom four Cruise... years, five years, he will come back. But like I say, it's it's far too soon. I think part of that was because he still had commitments that people had not kicked him off of, like that Apple mm-hmm. film. That was yeah. if you actually look at that film, you you think. That would be an Oscar contender for him, you know, the, the, the kind of role. But it went nowhere because, well, I don't think, is he eligible? He's, he's been kicked out of the academy, hasn't he? So, yeah. Aye. So there's two facets to that. One, I don't think Tom Cruise would touch him because Tom Cruise would be worried about his own public image of being perceived to help someone like that. But equally, so there's a lot of people who say, and I've again, I saw Will Smith's one of the people that I looked into, there's a lot of people saying on Twitter that if he was a, a white man who had done that, his redemption arc would have been a lot shorter and quicker than obviously being a, a black man doing that. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that or whether you want to get into that or not, but I do think that it was a very public moment. And I guess that whereas some of the stuff maybe happened behind closed doors or it's been a tweet from that's resurfaced from decades ago, this all felt very, very public. And I don't know if that's contributed to the fact that he needs to go away for quite some time as well as just how obvious the sort of breakdown was or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I, I suppose as well, it's like, it wasn't just a case of like the story of Will Smith assaults Chris Rock in the street at a party 
it was mm. in the Oscars, it, the pinnacle of Hollywood. Um, for me, the thing about it was he walked up, slapped him, and then just sat back down when nothing happened. Then he got arrested. There was no controversy. He wasn't asked to leave. And but I don't think people knew if that was a bit or not, because you, mm. if you look how the camera pans the room, there are some people who are almost sort of nervous laughing as if to say, oh, this is a skit or something. I don't think everyone really realised at first that it was serious. Yeah. Because the, the, the way that the angles that it was seen from, it almost looked as if it was like a fake mm. slap. But obviously it was very real. But yeah, there was a lot of bewilderment because... The the whole narrative around the Oscars over the last couple of years has been the fact that the audience figures are really dropping because mm-hmm. people don't want to sit and watch people just, you know, thanking their agents and stuff like that. So they're half, they have to brighten up in some way. So when I saw that at first, I thought, that's just a publicity stunt. They're trying to, you know, make it more interesting. But obviously it wasn't. But that's just my cynical mind. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's genuinely fair. I think a lot of people thought it was... a. Uh... Yeah, and you're right, because there's a, the way when it's seen, when you see it from if Will Smith is, has his back to you, it almost like the sound happens after the fact. So it does look like a like yeah. a skit or something. <laughs> How far have you come from having Seth MacFarlane sing We Saw Your Boobs to a whole bunch of, of women in the audience, which again, he didn't get cancelled for. So he seems to be, you know. Seth MacFarlane's an interesting one as well. Um, same with the guys from South Park. They've tried uh, South Park to cancel them, and they're just like, no. Nah. Yeah. The Scientologists have come after South Park, obviously, mm-hmm. really, really hard. I don't know. I feel like Seth MacFarlane, because everyone just thinks, oh, it's just family guy. He does right. seem to get away with stuff. But actually, oh, if a- you look at how tasteless some of it, like the We Saw Your Boobs thing, like, what the fuck? How was that ever greenlit for a major, you know, award ceremony and stuff like that? It is. It's just tasteless and it's actually just a bit tacky. And you would never sing a song about We Saw Your Dick, right? Mm-hmm. Because the standard is just so different, but I feel like he almost gets away with it because it's like, oh, but it's Family Guy, so... But it's also that way as well. Should Seth MacFarlane be held accountable because a comedian? But then it comes out of whole was like, because people think when comedians say stuff, that's what they mean, rather than comedians telling jokes. Like yeah. Seth MacFarlane, Family Guy's South Park and stuff. I think for the most part, people have the sense to say, well, you know what, that's not real life. And it's also a cartoon, which makes it more kind of sub. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tarantino, for example, where he's a character and the character says racial slurs, Tarantino therefore must be racist. It's, maybe his character's a racist. No, no, no. He shouldn't be saying that stuff. He's not saying that he's writing that, but he shouldn't be writing that. It's the book. So now you can't, like, again, do you cancel characters? But that's what it comes back to. So if this character, for example, is. You know, well, let's take it at the sort of obvious example. Like, look at Black Klansmen, where you obviously had clan members saying racial slurs and all. Is that okay because there's a black director and writer behind it? Whereas, if Tarantino were to write a racist character who was saying these things, I don't believe we can get into the realms of that. I'm, I'm firmly against like if a character's meant to be a certain way, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. I feel like. You can write the character and you can not like the character and you can not like what the character stands for, but I don't think that's caused... You, you shouldn't cancel a writer or director because a character in a film pissed you off. That yeah. seems absurd. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was, I was obviously looking at different people from that. Army Hammer, we've obviously joked about whether we should be joking about it or not. I don't know. 
he's so far off a comeback it's unreal like he's the big one that stands out for me as being like he's gonna go away and he probably won't have a career at the other end of this because not only was there sort of as I say the the sexual assault elements of what he'd done there was this sort of gratuitous kind of cannibalistic element to it and whilst I think we have become slightly more grotesque as uh as content consumers because obviously you have like your true crime pods your true crime documentaries all that sort of thing and we seem to really love all the the dirty details of that I think when it, there's actually a real life example and it's someone who you maybe liked in a film, you're like, whoa, that's it. You know, he is done. Yeah, I don't see him making any much much of a comeback. No, I think he's about the only one. Like Alec Baldwin, I feel like probably will still work. Um, I think Army, and I always thought that Johnny Depp was finished as well, I must admit. I thought he was absolutely done, but Army Hammer's the only recent example I can think of where I think he is probably finished in terms of, of career. Obviously, we touched on it at the start. You guys said that some people say that cancel culture doesn't exist. Does it? Should it? You know, where do we go from here? I guess. I think it's. I think it's. They stop using the term cancel culture for a start. As John said, it's always been there. We mentioned the fact that all the global blacklisted. We've always been stacked with stuff. Has anybody really been? What does that even mean? Any metal cancelled? Can you cancel a person? Yeah. You, sound like Bill, you sound like Bill Burr, who ironically hasn't been cancelled, and I'm surprised that he hasn't been. Again, there's some guys that are just bulletproof because they don't allow... I think sometimes these guys don't allow themselves to be cancelled, either, because they don't back them, and they go, no, I'm a comedian, I'm going to say that stuff. I think it's hard to cancel a comedian, because... I mean, take Frankie Boyle, for example. Frankie Boyle has said, in my opinion, much, much worse than Ricky Gervais. But Frankie Boyle had a cheek to attack Ricky Gervais for his jokes. Mm-hmm. Again, I think so. After some of the controversial things that he has said, which whether you give comedians sort of more license or not is a is a whole other thing in itself. But I think after some of the comment, he has sort of again sort of went away after the you know he did a sort of set, series of shows on Channel Four or whatever, and then sort of went away for a while, and then is now doing like new Taskmaster or whatever. But I think I'm I feel like you almost you want a comedian to push the the boundaries a bit you want that as long as it's not actively like going after someone in a really distasteful way like you yeah. don't go just to hear knock knock jokes you go to have things pushed slightly like you want that sort of gasp don't even somebody tells a joke and you're right it, just because a comedian says it as part of a routine doesn't mean that's actually what they think but yeah it's, it's a tricky one because that's a thing because that's a people starting to say with the people with characters now as we mentioned the writer's written this, that must be their thoughts. It's like, well, it's just not that bad character. Not every character has to be this. But I keep using Disney as an example because I think Disney are doing this for our characters. Whiter than white, ironically. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's but, what they've been doing for a long time. <laughs> yes. But they are, they're kind of. And I know we get these, it's good versus evil and all of this stuff, but if your characters have no struggles and they're just perfect, I, I, I watched two trailers yesterday, one for Indiana Jones and one for Blue Beetle. I'm going to get on a topic a wee bit here, but again, is this a kind of landscape? For Indiana Jones, they make a joke about capitalism in the trailer. And then Blue Beetle, they mentioned Batman, and he gets up and says, Batman's a fascist. It's a wee throwaway comment, it's a joke, but it's almost like, we've got to cancel Batman now. And yeah, Jones are going to be a political vehicle about capitalism. It's, it need to be left wing and art. Basically, I don't think we know where it's going to go. 
I think because the minute you've been centre right, you're cancelled. Yeah, and like you say, Thomas, the the actual word or the phrase cancel culture has just been it doesn't mean anything. It's been co-opted in arguments the same way that woke has been mm -hmm. co-opted. It doesn't actually mean what people think it means <laughs> to, to to quote the Princess Bride. So it's it's going to be it's not going to go away. The name may change, but it will be always around, I think, and it's only yeah. going to get worse as you've got to remember, I mean, a lot of celebrities and actors may be very good at what they do. They may be very good at bringing a character to life, but a lot of them are really, really stupid. They just don't have any sense. So, you know, they're going to do stupid things. They may play all sorts of very interesting characters on screen, very important people, presidents and kings and queens and professors and what have you. And people tend to think of these people as those characters. They take those characteristics and say, oh, he must be a smart person. So when they turn around and not be a smart person in real life, you think, oh, okay. It's just, it's perception, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think what we need to remember is that ultimately these people are still human and we need to leave capacity for flaws. I'm not yeah. saying that, you know, being a, a, a paedophile or a racist or whatever is a, a flaw. You obviously should have repercussions for that. But for someone saying a, a silly thing 10 years ago or whatever, that's that to me is just a, a flaw or a mistake. It's not, it's the sliding scale is, is what troubles me more than anything else. But yeah, I think that's everything from me. Does anyone want to add any other thoughts on being cancelled before this podcast eventually gets us cancelled. <laughs> well, just the fact that you used to kept misgendering Ezra Miller earlier, so you're probably cancelled. Oh, I no. completely forgot about that. I, I can only apologise to no, so whoever, whoever the person that listens to, because uh, no doubt they will uh, end up cancelling us. Exactly. Of course, all, all I need to do though is actually say the word they. And I'll insert the every time. I'll go back and edit Even for every many. single instance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, I'll I mean, edit. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, if, uh, I was going to say odds, but if you're too misgendering Ezra Miller is worse than Ezra Miller, you know, starting a cult, brainwashing people, grooming people, then at the assaulting people, then the world's a bit fucked. Yeah. Okay. I think Kanye's just started his own cult, hasn't he? Or no, religion, he's called it. He's cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> the thing you've got to remember is, would the world be a better place without the Movie Scramble podcast? No. I'm divided on it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, apologies for misjudging Ezra Miller. I wasn't aware that they prefer... Uh, they pronounce as opposed to he pronounce, so apologies for that. Well, see if it could be that if this does get cancelled, we'll get picked up on the back of the flash, um, make us some hits. We can go on um, GMB News with Dan Wooten and discuss uh, <laughs> the podcast and yep, Piers Morgan. Yeah. I do own Joe Rogan before we know it. <laughs> I was going to say Eamon Holmes, you went straight to Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> What I love about 
about Eamon Holmes, though, is talk about White Saviour. He's come out and be like, yeah, I've been telling you for years that Philip Schofield's a pedo and that uh, uh, Good Morning Britain or whatever it's called is full of toxic behaviour. Okay, mate, where were you then? When You should have been calling this out yeah. at the time if that's what you saw. He wants a big. He wants a bigger face on the poster than Philip Schofield. <laughs> okay, well, that's all from the Movie Scramble podcast, and hopefully you haven't cancelled us after listening to this. If you want to get in touch with us, you can by emailing podcasts at moviescramble.co.uk. You can find us on all the social platforms at Movie Scramble, and you can drop Simi line at, at Simi41. You saw that? Yep. yep, and John is at Scrabble John, John Scrabble even, and I'm at Miss Mamie P's. Do let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover in the podcast, whether that's a film or a particular topic. But that's all for now. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.